It's time for episode 180 of the Clockwise Podcast from Relay FM, recorded Wednesday, March 15th, 2017. Clockwise, four people, four tech topics, 30 minutes. Welcome back to Clockwise, the tech podcast that's timey-wimey, but never wibbly-wobbly. I'm your co-host, Dan Morin, and seated, or standing, I don't know, across the internet from me, it's my co-host, Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Jason. I'm seated this morning, Dan. Thanks for asking. Yeah, I wasn't... I, I guess I was asking, yeah. It could be... I don't know. I have a standing desk. Sometimes I stand when I'm doing Clockwise, because yeah, I feel like it's a 30-minute show. I can do that. But today... I'm sitting because it's snowy outside and I'm still wearing pajamas. There you go. There's some insight, people. Okay. That's good to know. More than you wanted to know about this show. This is the show, by the way, where we do talk about four tech topics with two wonderful guests. And to my left, one of our returning favorites, if I can say so without actually playing favorites. Uh, Aline Sims is back. Aline, I realized you're no longer doing your uh, Less Than Equal podcast, so I was not sure what to... uh, what to credit you with there? That's a really good question. I guess just for now, the incomparable, although that thing I've been alluding to since I don't know the last time I was on the show, hopefully will actually be announced soon. And for the record, I am currently standing at my standing desk. Ooh. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. Pajamas, right. yes or no? No, I'm dressed and ready to walk out the door when we're done. All right, professional. Oh, I feel bad now. To my left, he he's on the East Coast and also, of course, is co-host of many podcasts, including Analog, an accidental tech podcast. Since he's probably in his office, he's probably not wearing pajamas. Hi, Casey Liss. How are you? Hello. I am not wearing pajamas, but I am not dressed uh, in regular clothes. I decided to work from home this morning oh, in nice. preparation for this show, so I am in a sweatsuit like like any proper work from home <laughs> kind of gentleman oh, would be. Oh, wow. Look at you. Okay. So Aline is, mm-hmm. has won the best dress competition today. Sweet. I, the underdressed among us, will go first as the designated co-host. Uh, games. I want to talk about games because the new Zelda Breath of the Wild came out and earned really positive reviews. There's a new uh, Mass Effect title coming out next week, I believe. Both very immersive games that people log a lot of time into. I was just curious to know if there's a game you are currently immersed in or if there's a game you're really looking forward to coming out. Aline, how about you? Oh, man. I'm not the right person to start this off. Um, So I don't actually really play a lot of games because I have so many projects. I don't have a lot of time. Uh, Right now, I am replaying the Kingdom Rush series on my iPad. And um, I love Splatoon. I've always loved Splatoon um, on the Wii U and hopefully on the Switch. Um, Just because it's easy to dip in and out of. You can play a match in five minutes, you're done. So when I'm noodling on a problem, I always go to Splatoon to kind of help me uh, put that in my background process. I I wish I had more time for games because I would be all over playing a lot of things, but that's where I am right now. Uh, I don't have time for games either. So the games that I've been playing lately have been, let's see, I, I'm back into mini Metro a little bit because they added endless mode. And so now when you lose, you don't have to say goodbye to your city uh, quite then you can keep playing it until as it turns out you're sick of it <laughs> and then you can just be like i'm done with you city get out of here but it's nice that i don't have to say goodbye just because i let too many passengers st- stand at a platform too long so mini metro and then uh, i would say stagehand on the ipad which 
Uh, it took me a long time to figure that one out because it's a platformer that you the in reverse, so you move the uh, the platforms around so that the guy doesn't fall off, and it's it's pretty great. And last week was a big moment for me because I set a high score and also went past Dan's high score. <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh yeah, wow. I'm ahead of you now, Dan. Oh man, in your face, I, gotta go back. I gotta go back now. <laughs> uh, for me, I'm going to uh, to continue to parrot the I don't have time for this childish crap uh, line. But um, that being said, my uh, sister in law has recently gotten a Nintendo Switch. She got it on launch day and i made the mistake of playing with it for a little while and my word it is very cool um the only game i played was uh breath of the wild which i have played um ocarina of time and whatever came after that in the past and really liked ocarina of time i love that game and this was back when i did play video games a lot more um i've basically been looking for a reason to buy a nintendo switch i don't have one i i, I mean obviously the answer is to play games but i i never have time for that i never really play games but the hardware is so cool that i'm wondering if maybe when the mario kart you know revamp or whatever it is that's happening for the switch comes out maybe if i can justify it to myself that way we'll see well since i'm the one who's lounging around in his pajamas <laughs> i guess i'll also be the one to talk about video games um i don't have a switch and i've never been a huge zelda fan though i've played uh, a couple of them uh but i have played all the mass effect games and i am kind of looking forward to that new mass effect andromeda which comes out next week so that i can go live in a futuristic space world with aliens and spaceships instead of this current reality which has none of those things and is is far more depressing every day mm-hmm. uh and then i will never get out of my pajamas again probably so there you have it people but th- thank you for making me feel like i have way too much spare time to play video games oh uh, so unproductive so I guess we should move on to our next topic. Aline, what do you got for us? All right. So I, I think I'm the iPad person now. Every time I come on the show, I ask about the iPad. But we've been seeing more and more smoke about a potential 10 and a half inch iPad Pro. Um, so I'm wondering if you think there's a practical case for an iPad of this size. We've got the 9.7 and the 12.9. Um, if it's announced, will you consider getting one? And do you think we're going to see just all Pro iPads with no Air or Mini going forward because how many iPad sizes can we really have? All right, that's a lot of questions. I'm going to try to be quick about this. I do <laughs> think there's a practical case for an iPad of this size, especially since the the theory is that it's roughly the size of the 9.7. It's just got a higher resolution display. It's got essentially the screen of the 12.9 packed in the size of the 9.7. Um, and that means that the, there will be li- very few uh, little room left for bezels. It'll be uh, just a big screen. As somebody who uses the 12.9 iPad Pro and loves the fact that it's got lots of room for multiple apps at once and things like that and appreciates that it's a little bit heavy, I would be very interested in trying this out and potentially using it to replace my 12.9 iPad Pro when I decide to replace that. So I do think that there's a, there's a case for it. Um, also, there's a practical case for it. I'm sure Apple will sell one to you for $49. It'll probably be made of silicone. Anyway, uh, so I will consider it. And uh, the fate of the, pro, the non-pro line, I'd like to think that Apple will keep non-pro iPads around indefinitely at the lower price points, but they're probably going to be sort of like reduced versions of older ones it does come it is a question will there be like an ipad special edition at some point like there is on the iphone that's just a a cheaper one that they keep around but it's still got semi-modern tech from like a year or two previously but i I feel like they they will still want to keep they still sell cheaper ipads they sell well so i think they're going to want to keep them in the price range yeah so i'm an ipad mini kind of guy um Although I'm thinking of abandoning the iPad altogether, which is weird because I've 
traditionally been a proponent of them. Um, Dan Provost wrote a really great post on the Studio Neat blog uh, about why a 10.5-inch iPad would make sense. I agree with it. I agree with everything Jason said. Would I consider one? I, I would certainly consider it, but tr- truth be told, I'm actually really debating getting a MacBook Adorable to kind of be my around-the-house iPad because for me, I feel like iOS uh, is, is limiting in a bunch of ways for the sorts of things that I want want to accomplish. And as such, I've really thought about just getting the tiniest computer I can to just kind of carry around and, and be a portable replacement for my 5K iMac when I want to when I want to do do work anywhere but my desk. So probably not going to get one, but I will certainly take a look at it. I am definitely interested for a lot of the reasons Jason specified, although I come at it from the other direction because I've got a 9.7-inch iPad Air 2, which is a pretty good machine, um, but I've started getting kind of frustrated with certain things on it, and I would love a bigger screen size in a similar size case because I, I too, think that the 12.9 is a little too big for the kind of stuff I want to do. If I start dragging that around, it's, it's like, bigger than my MacBook Air, just, like, size-wise. Uh, and so... I like the idea of a bigger screen because obviously when you're talking about touchscreen based machines, you're talking about like a bigger interface, not just more room for display, but more room to do gestures, more room to interact with stuff. Uh, And so as someone who doesn't have a pro iPad right now, that certainly could get me in the door without making me feel like I would just be either swapping for a very similar machine in the 9.7 inch pro or a too big machine in the 12.9. I think that Apple will probably keep some non-pro stuff around for a while. Uh, The iPad Mini's fate is, I think, an interesting one because it seems to have only gotten very modest updates. There's never been a pro at that size. I'm, you know, there's been some speculation that they might do a 7.9 inch pro. Um, but I, you know, it's a question of whether or not that makes any sense at all. Uh, I think it might just stick around with sort of as the special edition that Jason theorized with like, it's a smaller form factor, but at least they keep bumping the internals to keep it running modern stuff. So yeah, I think the iPad line is a big challenge for Apple right now because they've had trouble figuring out exactly where is the compelling upgrade for a lot of people. So I think that the uh, larger screen size is definitely one of those factors that might convince people to upgrade. Yeah, um, the 12.9 inch iPad is the one that has really turned my iPad usage around. Uh, I was not excited about the iPad Pro when it was announced. My husband was. He pre-ordered it. I made fun of him. And then um, I used it for like the first week because he didn't have a pencil and he was really interested in sketching with a pencil. And I immediately was like, no, I need to have one of these things. Um, I use it a lot. I carry it with me everywhere. The 13-inch iPad I carry with me everywhere. My purse is huge. It's heavy. I hate it. But I'm more productive, right? And so if there's a 10 and a half inch iPad that has pretty much the same screen size as the 12.9 inch current one does, I will be all over that. I will be so excited. Um, I, I am a little bit worried about the, the fate of the mini. Um, I, I loved the mini when I had it. It was a great ebook reader. Now I use a Kindle. Um, but, it hasn't seen a lot of love lately. Uh, it hasn't seen a lot of love in a long time. And I am a little bit worried that it's just going to kind of go by the wayside and they're going to have like the iPad Air size and then a Pro line. And that'll be kind of what they have to offer. But um, maybe we'll find out in the next month or so. Maybe we will. It's unclear when this when we might hear about new iPads, but maybe soon. Maybe not. We just don't know. Nobody is saying. Maybe never. 
Never. <laughs> Maybe never. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's two topics down. We have two more topics to go. That's how the show works. Let me tell you about our halftime sponsor. Our halftime this week on Clockwise brought to you by Linode. High performance servers for your projects. Fast, powerful hosting. You can set it up in seconds. Easy to understand tools that let you choose your resources, choose your Linux distro, and you can get the power and flexibility you need. And the plans start at just $5 a month for a Linux server with one gig of RAM in the Linode cloud. Let me just... restate how ridiculous that is. There was a time when uh, getting your own server on the internet cost a fortune. And now for five bucks a month, you can have a pretty well-apportioned server on a fast network uh, that you can set up with a couple of clicks using Linode's web system. It is amazing how far we've come. Linode has more than 400,000 customers. They're all taken care of by a friendly 24-7 support team. Send them an email. Give them a call. Chat over IRC. You pick. Uh, The Linode community is there for you. And if you need help, so are the customer support people. They have comprehensive guides. There's support documentation. You can You will learn anything you need to know to set it up and manage it once it's up and running. Linode's control panel is nicely designed. It's got a focus on ease and simplicity. You can deploy, boot, and resize or clone just a few clicks from the web panel, and it's done. There's two-factor authentication, so nobody will hijack your server. You can create snapshot images of your disk volumes for backup and replication. There's an auto-backup package that you can buy that I use, which is great, so I know that my server is also always being backed up. The power you require is there. The infrastructure structure and assistance you want are also there. So great pricing options. Like I said, $5 a month for one gig of RAM. That's amazing. $60 a month, 16 gigs of RAM, the two gig plan, which is excellent. 30 gigs of storage for $10 a month. Just incredible. Across the board, twice the amount of RAM you will get elsewhere. And as a listener to Clockwise, go to linode.com slash clockwise, L-I-N-O-D-E.com slash clockwise. You'll support us, but You'll also get $20 toward any Linode plan. There's a seven-day money-back guarantee, so give it a try. See if Linode is for you. Linode.com slash clockwise to learn more, sign up, take advantage of that $20 credit, or just use the promo code clockwise2017 when you check out. Thank you to Linode for really running all of my presence on the internet through my Linode server. And of course, for supporting Clockwise. Topic number three is from me. And the other day I decided I was feeling some television nostalgia and I decided that I wanted to watch one of uh, a show that a show that I loved 15 years ago, which is Stargate. And I discovered that it was only on Hulu and only in four by three in a weird like the syndicated version. And I thought to myself, wait a second, this doesn't look as good as my DVDs that I have somewhere of Stargate. And uh, I, I fell down a hole at that point where I found the DVDs that I have been ripping. At one point, I had two uh, CD drives, two DVD drives attached to my Mac, and I was like double ripping uh, discs. Uh, anyway. He's a madman. I, 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 am, I am down the rabbit hole now. Uh, but hey, it was better. So, so my, my discovery that there was like, thing, I think I wanted to see the, the streaming services didn't solve it for me. Um, and I ended up just ripping DVDs so that I could watch them using Plex. So I'm curious for all of you, uh, are, what's, what are the streaming services you are subscribing to right now? And do you ever pop out a DVD or a Blu-ray and watch that instead? So I am subscribed to Netflix and to Amazon Prime Video. Um, I use Netflix reasonably often. Typically, Aaron and I will catch up on a, on a TV show and we'll just binge it you know, over the course of a few weeks. So right now we're watching Parks and Rec for the first time. Um, 
Amazon Prime Video is is used exclusively for the Grand Tour uh, right now anyway. And you've already dropped a hint at what my favorite online streaming service is, which is Plex, which doesn't exactly count. But one of the, the interesting features of Plex is that if you want to, you can become friends with other Plex users and you can choose to share your libraries with that with those users. So as an example, uh, Jason and I are Plex pals. I just made that up. You can run with it, guys. Uh, Stargate, it's there for you, Casey. This all four first four seasons of Stargate. Watch them anytime you want. Thanks, pal. And so, as Jason is is saying, you know, we can uh, we can stream what our own we can stream from the other's collection to our home. So I can go on my Apple TV and I can browse through Jason's collection or at least the subset that he shared with me, and I can stream it directly off off of his computer, which is super awesome. So if you have a few friends that have you know somewhat sizable media collections, you can have the best Netflix in the world by way of Plex Pals. Copyright 2017 KC list slash Plex. Uh, I guess I'm not Plex Pals with... Well, I am Plex Pals with Jason, but not yeah. with you, Casey, but maybe soon. We should fix that. Um, I subscribe to Netflix, Hulu, and because I have Amazon Prime, there you go. Um, I use all these things in varying amounts, and uh, I don't tend to go as much to DVD or Blu-rays. I was thinking, actually, the other day, I was saying the last Blu-ray I bought was the Force Awakens Blu-ray because it came with the digital copies of all the other movies, which I kind of dig. Um, but most of the time, I find myself like sticking with what's available on streaming. Ironically enough, we did the incomparable episode about The Rocketeer recently. And though I own it on DVD, I rented it on iTunes because I thought it would look better, <laughs> uh, which it probably did. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't think that necessarily suffered from the same Stargate problem that Jason's running into. Um, it is frustrating to have to subscribe to all these different libraries to get different things. And I'm you know, constantly worried about the increasing fragmentation in terms of especially new TV shows as they come out, meaning like, oh, you know, there's going to be a new Star Trek show. Well, I guess I got to pay for the CBS streaming service on top of all the other things I'm paying for. Um, and so, yeah, I, I also actually I forgot one. I, I also subscribe to uh, Comcast locally has their stream TV service, which is like I think it's like 10 bucks a month. And but you get HBO as part of it. So I essentially pay less for HBO and I get a bunch of like streaming of the local channels via Comcast, except not on my Apple TV because they don't have an app for it, which is super annoying. So yeah, I've got way more streaming services than I probably need. Um, and I'm probably paying as much as I'd pay for cable, but I still enjoy having the access to all these different things in streaming. So uh, I haven't ripped all my, uh, my old uh, DVDs yet, but... Maybe Jason, maybe you can hook me up. We'll we'll set it. We'll just start ripping everything. <laughs> Dan, if we were Plex pals, you could have streamed a Blu-ray rip of Rocketeer right off of my. Oh Plex well, server. now I know. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we're subscribed. We have Netflix. We have uh, HBO Now, so that we can watch like Westworld and. Um, that other series, Game of Thrones, that's why we initially got it. Um, oh, gosh. Uh, Amazon Video, um, but we don't use that a whole lot. In fact, our our Fire Stick is unplugged currently because we ran out of ports for things. Um, gosh, a lot of them. Um, we use DVDs occasionally, uh, but we have them mostly ripped to our Plex server. Uh, so it makes it super easy. And what I've observed is that our behavior is going more to buying things on iTunes rather than buying physical media as we try to kind of get rid of things in our lives, get rid of physical objects in our lives. Okay. And, and for me, I mean, yeah, I, too many is the, is the theme here. Netflix, Amazon, uh, Hulu, 
And who knows what's next because that Star Trek show will come on, yeah, and then I'll be paying for CBS All Access, I guess. I don't know. I don't buy DVDs and Blu-rays so much anymore. Um, and when I do, I, I make a digital copy as quickly as I can so I can just sort of have it on demand most of the time. So, yeah, I can see that they're, they're going away. Thank you, everybody, for your information and, uh, and Plex usernames, perhaps. And, uh, Casey, <laughs> it's time for the last topic. What do you have? Sure. So... I was thinking about um, what a good question would be, and I thought, you know, hey, looking at the phone or tablet or computing platform that you don't use, what feature or features are you most jealous of? So we can start with Dan. Well, you know, I was thinking about this before the show, and the one that sort of came to mind, and I wrote about this on Macworld a few months back, was I'm actually a little bit jealous of the touchscreen in some of the Windows 10 Hardware, not because necessarily the support is that fantastic, but because Apple seems to be pretty, uh, pretty solid on the fact that they're never going to bring touchscreen support to the Mac, or they're going to wait a long time before doing it. And having that ability to interact with my MacBook, I think, would actually be really great. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing uh, that I think you know does have the benefit on Android and some of the other platforms is. Just sort of the openness of the ability to use, to have different apps be treated as first-class citizens. Like we've all complained, I think, probably in the past in varying amounts about not being able to use third-party apps as default apps in some places. So if you want to use a different browser, a different email client, uh, what have you, uh, that's not necessarily an option on iOS. But, you know, Android certainly makes it much more flexible to do that kind of thing. So, yeah, there are definitely some downsides to Apple's very controlling sort of methodology of doing things. But, um, yeah, there are a few things that I would like to see. So I'm all in on Apple and iOS, but um, two good friends, Yasmin Evian and um, one of my App Camp for Girls Phoenix co-organizers both have pixels. Um, and the thing that I love is that the fingerprint reader is um, on the back. I think it was the pixel. Maybe I'm wrong. But the fingerprint reader is on the back. So you can grip the phone and it just scans your finger and you don't have to do like this weird wrist movement dance and then move your hand back around again. And I I loved that. I would love to see something like that on my iPhone. Um, and the other thing I was wishing for actually just yesterday was to have the weather available on my home screen. So a widget that would update so I could just lift to wake my phone and look at it and see what the temperature is. Yes, I have an Apple Watch. Sometimes the screen doesn't come on. I, my phone is much more reliable for checking the weather, um, but I have to unlock it. And so I really love to have widgets for not every app, but selected apps that could update live on the home screen instead of like having to pull down for notifications and that kind of thing. Yeah, I thought about that, although I, I have an Android phone here that I use sometimes for reference. And um, it, it I, I've got some widgets on it. And I, I find that they're I, I, I they're not as good as I thought that they would be, honestly. And so I'm not sure I miss those so much. Um, but it's a good one that was on my list for a long time. Uh, I'm gonna say that uh, Microsoft's experimentation with building a touch interface into Windows has got to be on my list just because Apple is keeping those two features uh, apart, you know, iOS over here, Mac over there. And I'm intrigued by the fact that Microsoft is trying to jam them together. I think not necessarily uh, all good, but I'm intrigued by it. And I'm most intrigued by the fact that there are PC manufacturers making 
devices that run Windows that are convertibles. Either you flip around the screen or you pop the screen off and you've got something that's kind of a laptop and kind of a a tablet and they are built to be, it's all part of the same thing. It's not a tablet with a keyboard accessory, which is what we're left with as an iPad user. That's what I'm left with. And I'm, uh, I'm a little bit jealous of that. I'm not sure that they're actually as great in practice as they are in theory right now, but that's something that I'm kind of jealous of, the fact that uh, a, a PC user can get a, a convertible device that is both a tablet and a laptop, and I have to choose. Yeah, for me, um, there's nothing that that immediately jumps out at me other than having a Siri that actually worked. So the whole Google thing. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, well, we'll bleep it. Um, <laughs> you monster. <laughs> I know. Uh, but anyway, but uh, okay, robot. Um, that, that feature within Android phones, I feel like it's just in every measurable way better than what I've seen and experienced with Siri. And having something that can answer kind of an arbitrary question quickly and easily um, I, I think having that available is really useful. And I, th- I don't use Siri very often in part because I have no confidence that Siri will tell me what I want to know. And so I wouldn't refer to voice um, and I wouldn't ask via voice that often, but it's super convenient to be able to when you want to and know you'll get a good answer out. Something other than, well, I can perform a search for you. you know. <laughs> so I think uh, OK Robot would be my, my favorite feature. Well, thanks to that, Casey. That wraps up our fourth tech topic. Jason, how are we doing? Do we have enough time for a bonus topic? We absolutely do. Our bonus topic this week brought to you by Squarespace. Use the offer code CLOCKWISE at checkout. You'll get 10% off your first purchase. Make your next move with Squarespace. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and much more. Maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do all of those things. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about anything Squarespace has it covered. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help. They let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name, and all of these award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month, but you can start a trial, no credit card required, by going to squarespace.com. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code CLOCKWISE to get 10% off your first purchase and to show your support for this podcast. Thank you, Squarespace, for supporting CLOCKWISE. And the bonus question, Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So bonus question this week. Sometimes when I need to really focus in on a task, I actually find it more distracting if there's silence around me. So I flip on some music. Do you guys have zone out music? And if so, what is it? Aline? I tell my black Amazon cylinder to play relaxing music and the default uh, playlist or compilation they have for that is actually pretty nice. It's low key. Um, It doesn't have a lot of repetition in it, so I can actually focus. Uh, Explosions in the Sky, an Austin, Texas uh, instrumental rock band. I guess they call, they call it post rock, but come on, uh, rock and roll will never die. But it's so it's so great. If you <laughs> if you've seen uh, Friday Night Lights, uh, the TV series, a lot of the music in there is Explosions in the Sky. It's great stuff. Uh, for me, I don't really have uh, kind of zone out music, but if I'm ever working on a programming problem and I just cannot figure it out, my parachute that has always saved the day so far is turning on Tools 10,000 Days, which is very aggressive, I would say, and much more aggressive than the music I typically listen to. But I found that it always gets me through whatever problem I'm working on. You have to deploy it tactically, just like a Merlin man, but when you do, it works out really, really well. So. Uh, 
uh, that so tools 10,000 days is, is my answer. I have a couple, but I think they're almost all movie soundtracks. Um, the Tron Legacy soundtrack is a really Ooh, good one. Yeah, to just yeah. sort of like sink sink in that one. You don't have to come up for air for a while. So mm-hmm. it's a good recommendation. But those are all good recommendations. I'll check out some of those. And thank you for them. And this is the end of the show. So all that remains is to thank our guests, Aline Sims. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. And Casey Liss, thanks for being back. Hey, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. Jason, another show in the in the can. Yep. We did it. Where is this can that we keep all our shows? It's out on your back porch, I think, Dan. Oh, so put the, can this, is, the can is snowed in. Yeah, I'm sorry. Prepare to put this episode in there as well. Um, and we will see everybody next week for another edition of Clockwise. Until then, we remind you as always, watch what you say. And keep watching the clock. Goodbye, everybody. Bye.